And every week, many of you in the audience are just waiting, just hoping for that magical, glorious day when Toby face plants. <laughs> no one is more nervous in that moment in an auditorium of 700 people than my wife. She has told me many times, there are steps. Why don't you use the steps? Please be careful when you go. You're going to hurt yourself. The reason for her concern is genuine and sincere. It begins with a story which you surely want to hear. It was 20 years ago, August of 1999, not in Wichita, but in Phoenix, Arizona. Christy and I were very young marrieds. I'm not even talking, maybe even a month. Uh, had we, maybe, maybe less than that. And we had uh, had our wedding, we had gone on the honeymoon, we had uh, got all of our gifts, we had moved from Wichita, relocated our lives to Phoenix, and we had a one-bedroom apartment there on 83rd Avenue. And it was on the second floor, and uh, there was a, a long series of stairs going up to the apartment. So we went up the stairs, and as we as we sort of symbolically and yet uh, uh, actually at the same point we are at the door of this apartment. We are at the beginning of our journey together. It's a moment. I'm overcome by the moment and I just pause and I, I grab Christy and I say, I love you and I pick her up in my arms and I open the door and I step across the precipice. Carrying my bride. It's a beautiful, picturesque moment. I'm looking into her eyes and I continue walking across the living room floor. <laughs> Whereupon someone, probably me, has put a laundry basket full of gifts. Which as I'm gazing into her eyes, I immediately step into, fall and throw my bride across the living room. The more I think about that story, the more I realize how perfect a picture it is of our marriage, her husband's missteps. First steps are hard. Sometimes walking is hard. Sometimes journeying together is not easy. As we talk about faith fully this year at Northside, we finish today our series with sort of introducing the theme, talking about faith and what that means. And it's important for us to think about faith not just as a, as a moment. I mean, there, there are those moments, okay? But, but it was, it's, it's more of a journey. It's more of, a, of an ongoing process. And as we think about today, we're going to talk about walking by faith and what that looks like. And, and I do want to talk about the steps, but I also want to talk about the journey. And hopefully you'll think about that uh, together. The, the first thing we maybe ought to understand is that walking by faith in God always begins with the first step, the, the very first step. Do you, do you remember when your first step was with God? Um, I, I don't know when it was. For me, it was on a Sunday night, February 24th, 1991. 
Uh, I know the exact location, 1144 South Emporia. I've been studying the old Jewel Miller study courses. They were not even the film strips. They were just the books. They were just kind of, and I've been going through that with my great aunt and read the scripture and answer the question and, and kind of making progress and very much appealed to my task-oriented nature. And, and I would complete one and go to the next one and go to the next one. And finally, it got to the one about taking the step of faith by being baptized into Christ. I went through that study and my great aunt said, uh, well, what do you think? And I said, well, I'm ready to do it. She said, I think you are. And I, I can remember very, uh, I believe it was uh, the very next Sunday, and I had decided that I wanted to be baptized, and I knew I needed to do it. I knew it was required as what Jesus commanded. It was in the scriptures, and I remember clearly this moment, and and a camera guy's going to have to follow me. They, they hate this, but I do it anyway. It was because in my mind, it's this moment. It, it is this moment when I am here. I'm, I'm somewhere probably in the pews, right? I mean, the building wasn't exactly the same shape. But I'm, I'm right about here. And we stand, and, and the song is, I don't know the title of it, but it goes, Only a step, only a step, come for he bled for you and died. He's the same loving Savior yet. Jesus the crucified. And I can remember them singing that song. And, 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 and I knew what I needed to do. And it wasn't like there was any, anyone discouraging me from doing it. But I just remember this moment at the edge of the pew. For some reason there was that. There was the disconnect between what I knew I needed to do and actually doing it and just taking this literal step, this step right outside and, and the, the, the subsequent steps following all the way down to the front where I would meet the preacher. He would ask me what my response need was and I would share that I was ready to be baptized. Um, and, and then all of that following was was, you know, pretty much just a... One step after the other. But, but I so very clearly remember that, that moment of, of having to take the first step. And isn't that true with so many things in life? Um, Denise Brensing, or no, not Brensing, McCulley now, sorry, uh, is, is here and she's got her newborn and um, little Victoria. And she's holding Victoria, who's a month old today. Now, of course, Victoria is not walking, and so mom and dad carry, and grandma and grandpa carry, and, and people are carrying little Victoria. But there will come a day when little Victoria will become a little more sure of herself, and, and she'll pull up from a crawl, and she'll kind of, you know, do this thing, and she'll steady herself. And then, and then at much encouragement from her brothers and sisters, from her, from her parents, from her grandparents, she will be encouraged to take that first step. And there's so much in that moment. Now, the subsequent steps, you know, are, are a little easier with each step of the journey. But faith is the same way. We, we, we have to have that moment where we come to a, a moment of trust, of stepping out of what's familiar and what's comfortable and going to the next required step and, and doing something we haven't done before. 
Babies are encouraged that way. We, we keep encouraging them to walk. And as they go, we know that they will stumble. We know that they will fall. We know there will come times when they, they bonk down or they hit their head on the table. But yet we don't discourage them from walking because we know they must. In the same way, with our faith, it comes to a, a moment of the first step. I was thinking about first steps of faith in the life of Jesus and in those whom Jesus called. And probably the, the best or the, the most immediate one that I thought of was Peter stepping out of the boat. You remember that story? You probably remember it so well that you think you don't need to even turn there. But I want to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. And if you don't have a Bible of your own, turn to page 1052. And that's probably one of the best moments that is just encapsulated in this moment of stepping out. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew writes these words as he recounts to us the story of Peter. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on a mountain to pray by himself. When evening came, he was there alone, but, by, by, but the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And he said to them, and they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them, saying, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you to get out on the water. He said, come. And so Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. I've often wondered in that moment, why was it that Peter asked Jesus to call him? What was it within Peter's mind or his heart that desired to be out in the midst of the tumultuous waves in the middle of this storm to be near Jesus? I love that that's where he wanted to be. And he knows that to get there, he's got to go someplace he's never been outside the boat. I'm not sure, you know, we'd have to ask Peter when we get to heaven someday, what, what was he thinking? What, what made him ask the question? Was he bored? Was he just tired of being in the, in the same place? Was he desiring something new, a different adventure? Or maybe he understood that following Jesus is always this constant process of going to the next level, being at that level for a while, and then going to the next level. There's another moment when Peter stepped out of the boat. It's a less well-known moment. It's not quite as exciting of a story. But it's in Matthew chapter 4, just about 10 chapters earlier. If you you want to go to page 1038, we're going to be in Matthew 4, 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, 
for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and they followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Following Jesus, as I said last week, is sort of about getting comfortable being uncomfortable. I I worry sometimes, maybe it's just angst, that we get too comfortable. It's easy to do. Comfort sings a siren song. Comfort sings, sings to us to do the same, to be the same, to stay within the limits, to, do, to go with what's familiar. But comfort is never where the good stuff happens with God. Jesus called Peter and Andrew, James and John. The reason we know those four is because they followed the one. The reason that we know those four is that because they all took one step away from what was comfortable and familiar. These guys were probably in their teenage years. They had been been given a trade. They had been shown the way. They were not going to be rabbis or teachers. They had been shown a trade, and they were employing and enacting that trade and living by it and making a living by it. And, and Jesus called them in that moment. We just see it's like he's walking by a boat, and here they are, and then they leave. They're leaving a lot more than just a boat in that moment. In fact, James and, Jebedee, uh, James and Zebedee says it, he left their boat and their father and followed him. Jesus calls us to, to step out of the boat. And, and I'm convinced the, the more closely we follow Jesus, the more uncomfortable we will get being comfortable. Because we're called to step out of the boat. We're called to step out of the familiar and the safe. That's what following Jesus is all about. And so when you trust Jesus, you have to take the first step. You have that moment where, where you, you step forward and trust him. Where you leave what you know and what's familiar and safe and, and leave the, the boat and step into walking by faith. But it starts with that first step. My question for you this morning is, as you think about starting, have you taken the first step? Have you chosen to follow Christ? Have you taken the first step of putting him on in baptism? If you haven't, maybe you're too comfortable Maybe you need to get uncomfortable. Maybe this morning as we invite you to participate, to take that first step, you will do that. When Paul began his journey, a man named Ananias posed to him this question. In Acts chapter 22, verse 16. And why do you wait? Why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. See, for Jesus, for Paul, Jesus was totally out of the boat. He was so far away from shore he couldn't even see. 
Paul was a man of the Scriptures, a Pharisee, a Hebrew of Hebrews, legalistic, zealous for the law, religious and righteous in every way. And yet Jesus called him, and that was what, what Jesus called him to was something different than he had ever known. In fact, initially when he met Jesus and the followers of Jesus, he, he rebelled against it. He didn't want any part of it. He thought Jesus was a heretic and was willing to persecute the church because of it. And yet when Jesus called him, he knew. Saul, who would become Paul, knew that he needed to take the first step of faith. Now, some people get excited. Church of Christ is get excited. Man, Acts 22, 16, Romans 6, Matthew 28, yes. Get him in the water. Get him in the water, Levering. But I don't want to just camp there. I mean, if you need to respond to the invitation, you're going to have an opportunity to do that, but... That's not the entirety of the message. I mean, that's like the first step of faith. I mean, that's a baby step. But, you know, I wasn't comfortable when Tyler and Grace took their first steps and just and just said, well, they've taken their first steps, all right. And then just never ask them to walk again. Now, the, the, the point of the first step is to get them to the second step. So don't get too excited about baptism because that's just the first step. That's just the first trust. That's just the first moment of stepping out in faith. A baby does not stop walking after their first steps. If they do, eventually we become concerned. This is a problem. No, a baby must continue to walk. And we too must continue to walk. My, my steps in faith did not stop February 24th, 1991, God's been dragging me out of the boat ever since. Walking by faith means walking in faith every day. Walking by faith does not mean that we walk blindly. Actually, it's quite the opposite. Walking by faith requires every day that we Live our lives. That's the, this idea of walk. In the scriptures, when there's a walk, when there's a path, we're studying this on Sunday night in Proverbs, by the way, and you're welcome to join us at 6 o'clock. This is an idea all throughout scripture. A person's walk, a person's path, has everything to do with how they're walking with God. In fact, turn to Galatians chapter 5. Get a New Testament perspective. Galatians chapter 5, page 1,249. The Apostle Paul says, and he's speaking to a church here that was really struggling. We have some people that were trying to enforce legalism. And Paul says, no, 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 wait a second. If you're following Christ, you don't understand. This is not about making more rules. This is not, ad, not about adding rules on top of rules. This has more to do with following Jesus and walking by faith. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and following. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, 
and things like these. And I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also, underline this if you're an underliner, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Paul calls the Galatians, and he calls all of us to not just take the first step, to keep in step with the Spirit, to walk by faith every day. And that means that if we're a, a follower of Jesus, it's going to show, it's going to make a difference. Let me ask you a question. You think about your life, not, not here at church, okay? But, but when you leave and you go to your home, the closest neighbor, I mean the physical neighbor, do they know that you follow Jesus? Your coworker that you sit at in a cubicle next to, or, or an, have an office next to, and you will cross paths and you'll chat at the water cooler and maybe you'll share lunch together tomorrow. Do they know that you're a follower of Jesus? Do your friends that you text, that you interact with on social media, that you, you have over to the house, that you, you'll invite over to watch the game, do they know that you're a follower of Jesus? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure they know I go to church. I, that's not what I asked you. Do they know that you're a follower of Jesus? That you're walking and following him every day. The brother of Jesus wrote these words in James chapter 2, verses 14 and following, uh, page 1292. If you're following along this morning. James says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Is dead. He doesn't say it's dying. He doesn't say it's sick. He says, if you claim to follow Jesus, and there's no evidence of that in your life, then your faith is dead. Now, don't get mad at me. Get mad at James if you don't like that. I'll give you an example. It's a hard one because I, I'm convicted of it. This past week, we had several folks that are deeply connected with the mission work in the Philippines. And those in the Philippines... Uh, they've had this volcanic eruption and there's it's all sorts of uh, devastation. And we have people going there to serve. They, they're already doing ministry and mission work to, to reach the spiritual needs. But now they have an opportunity to meet the physical needs of the people. 
And so on the private Facebook page, not the, not the public one, but the private one for our members, we've had some people post and say, hey, we need your prayers, and also, if you're able to, to give an individual uh, donation. If you're able to do that, that would be very helpful. That money would go to people who are hurting. Now, I hope you've done that. I didn't. And I was reminded again of what James says. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? In other words, walking by faith means not just saying we follow Jesus. It means when Jesus says, hey, your Philippine brothers and sisters across the world need some help. And we respond by saying, how can we help? Sorry, my phone's my wallet, so. How can we help? What can we do? That's the way the body of Christ is to be. Do not just say, I'll pray for you, and nothing wrong with praying for people, that's fine, but. But at some point, faith has to go into action, you see? Does that make sense? We can say we're uh, having an impact on our community, and maybe we are. When folks at Pleasant Valley Elementary say, we've got some kids that could use some school supplies. We've got some kids whose Families don't take care of it. Our reaction can be, well, you know, that's really not my job. Or we can say, you know what? Jesus can use me. I'll, I'll be used. It's convicting. We are called to walk in the step with the Spirit. And the Spirit, just as Jesus did, is never okay with us being just comfortable. Just keeping us right here in our comfort zone. Right here where it's easy. Jesus is going to call us to the next step. So our faith should show. There's an old, I don't know who wrote it or who came up with it, but it's pretty good. It said, if you were, if it were a crime to be a Christian and you were charged and brought to trial, would there be enough evidence to convict? How do we know? How, how, how do we show evidence that we are a Christ follower? It's not just saying Jesus is Lord. It's not just claiming that you go to church. It's living it. It's walking it. And that's what Jesus and the word of Jesus calls us to do. First John chapter 2, verse 6 puts it more succinctly. But if anyone obeys his word, 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, this is uh, page 1303. If anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. This is how we know. This is how you can be assured. Verse 6. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. This is how we know. I mean, verse 6 does not say, by when you've been baptized. It says, whoever claims to live in him must, must live, must walk as Jesus did. 
May we then understand that walking by faith, it starts with a step, but it must continue in a walk every day, every day, trusting and obeying what Jesus calls us to do. If he calls us to help the poor, we help the poor. If he calls us to forgive an enemy and pray for them, we do that. If he calls us to encourage someone, to go visit someone in the hospital, to go visit someone in prison, to study the Bible with someone who does not know Jesus, then may we yield. May we walk as Jesus calls us to walk. Let me give you a challenge. Turn to Matthew chapter 28. I want to make some, some work for some volunteers who do great work. Matthew chapter 28, you probably know the verses I'm going to. This is page 1072, if you don't know where Matthew 28 is. Verse 19, Jesus, uh, verse 18 rather, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Do me a favor, if you are in a place where you have a, one of these pew Bibles in front of you, would you reach forward and, and take one, please? So there should be no pew Bibles in, left in the pew. Hold it up when you have it. I want to challenge you to take a Bible. You say, well, I already have a Bible. That's not for you. I want you to take a Bible. I want you to write the name down of someone, a coworker, a neighbor, a friend, a family member, who needs to know Jesus. And I want you to take that Bible. I want you to take it home and get a piece of paper or post a note or something and just write their name in it. Every time you see that Bible, I want you to pray for an opportunity to, teach, to do exactly what Jesus commanded, to teach that person to obey everything that he has commanded. You say, oh, I could never do that. Well, the good news is right there in the back of the Bible, there's, there's these wonderful studies that you can just study exactly, just page by page. It's very simple. It would, it would warm my heart greatly if there were absolutely no Bibles left in the pews this morning. Because you took that challenge seriously. You say, oh man, that preacher, that's, that's uncomfortable. Yep. Yep. Welcome to following Jesus. He did not intend us to come and sit and be comfortable and handle our stuff in an hour and then go on about our lives. Now he calls, just like he called Peter to step out of the boat, he calls us to step out of the pew to be walking by faith and trusting in him and to walk as he did. I hope you'll do that. I hope you'll take that challenge. I bet there's somebody in your life who needs to know Jesus and that Jesus has put on your heart right now. And I hope you'll take this Bible this morning with that conviction in mind that every time I see it, I'm going to pray over that person. And every time I meet that person, I'm going to look for an opportunity to share Christ with them. Last but not least, faith leads us to finishing well. Walking by faith causes us not to give up, but to focus on him, to be reminded where our home really is. 
2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. The Apostle Paul, now at the end of his ministry, much different place than he was when we first met him with Ananias. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Now he's writing a letter to a young preacher, and he says these words. You can hear the passion in the pen. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. I love that. He's ready. He's, he's spent so much time ministering to churches and spreading the gospel and teaching and training and baptizing and making disciples and, and growing young preachers like Timothy. But he knows that his time on earth has come to an end. That the chapter in the story of God with him is coming to a close. And he doesn't fear that. He's not worried. He longs for it. He looks forward to it. Because he knows that he's fought the good fight. That he's finished the race. The Apostle John, in writing the book of Revelation, writes to seven churches. All of which have been enduring persecution for following Jesus. And to the church, very specifically to the church in Ephesus, he writes these words in Revelation chapter 2.10. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested for ten days and have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. John, John was <laughs> imprisoned on the island of Patmos. He, he knew the day of his death may be drawing near himself. And he's relaying this message to fellow Christians. Do not give up. Do not give in. Do not bend your knee to Caesar. Worship the Lord Jesus and be faithful unto death and you'll receive the crown of life. Paul knew where he was going. John knew where he was going. My question is, do you know where you're going? Have you taken the first step of faith? If you haven't taken the first step, you can begin by doing that this morning. May you begin to walk the walk of faithfulness, taking the first step of obedience, believing and trusting Jesus, and being baptized, as we talked about at the very beginning of the sermon. But maybe you've done that, and now you're struggling to walk in faith, and there's something, some area of your faith walk where you need to be obedient, where you need to yield, and you haven't been. And if you have a public need, our shepherds will be willing to pray for you and with you. Uh, if we can encourage you in some way, whatever public need you have, if you have one, please come down front, meet our shepherds here this morning as together we stand and sing.